Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Just think Papa. I'm going to explain that in just a moment, but I want to tell everyone Doug Oster, the organic gardener, is on the air. So if you're the 10th caller, you're going to win a gift certificate from Sorgles. They'd love to see you during the holiday weekend, and that number is 412 922 We got Miles Stevens, a little fall planting of trees and more. Davy Trees, Talking Trees coming up in just about a half hour. But if you want to get a question in now for Doug, this is the number you need to call, 866-391-1020. Is it the effervescence when it comes to what you fed me, delicious, very um, refreshing. The whole studio smells like fruit. Right. I brought Rob some breakfast. It's a fruit from a native tree called a pawpaw. We talk really about good. pawpaws all the time. Uh, you know, been here forever. Uh, and Miles was the first that I remember talking about that. I've got one for him for when he comes here, but... <laughs> Well, by the time uh, Dentisi's come in here, they're going to be like, what is going on in here? Now, see, you know, Joe being an old produce guy uh, from the Strip, he would probably I mean, save him a little piece of that. Good the stuff. thing about a pawpaw is you can't pick them early. you got to wait till they fall off the tree. They don't ship well. You rarely see them any in any farmer's market. It's basically, you know, home gardeners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back in the day, Lewis and Clark, during their Lived expedition, they had to live off them in September. There is a thing that says that uh, George Washington loved them refrigerated. Uh, How he had them refrigerated in 1786, (laughs) I have no idea. But uh, it's really, you know, we we talk a lot about natives, uh, about growing natives. And this is a really great tree uh, to grow. You need two of them to pollinate. But I have a whole bag of pawpaws that I'm going to uh, give out today at the uh, Rib Fest at the stadium. I'm going to be at the Rib Fest at 2 o'clock today at the Farm to Table booth. Uh, everyone's going to get free perpetual spinach seeds. That's a heirloom Swiss chard that I just love. You can plant it right now. I'm doing a container herb garden seminar, and one lucky gar- gardener will win that container that I'm planting. I have these beautiful herbs from Bidwell Training Center uh, in Manchester, and oh, man, and I'll have extra herbs to give away, too. You get your pawpaws to taste while they last. I'll have them out there when I start at 2 o'clock. So that's today at 2 o'clock at the kickoff and rib fest down at the stadium. Uh, come down and see me. I'm at the farm-to-table booth. Uh, when you come in the entrance, we're on the left. There's like 100 feet of, of farmer's markets there. Uh, so there's lots of cool stuff to see. Plus, you get some cool ribs, too. And, oh, this rain, you know, I hope you didn't get a, a bad storm or a flood or anything like that. But this rain and teamed with the start of September, this this is planting season. This is planting season for 
fall vegetables, for trees, shrubs, perennials. You could get lots of deals. Uh, I remember last year I, I found a sweet autumn clematis for just a couple bucks at the end of the season and threw it in the ground. And now I've got these amazing blooms. That's that's what we're doing right now. You know, these shorter days and as we cool off, these all these temperatures and the the nice fall rain is conducive to root growth, and that's what we want on our trees and our shrubs and our perennials. And then when you talk about vegetables, you know, all our our sponsors, all the nurseries have all sorts of great cool weather vegetables. I talked about a little bit last week where I got an entire flat. I'm going to go back and get more. I'm planting containers too. That's the other thing to think about. If you don't have a full-fledged big giant garden like mine, and even though I do, I'm I'm putting like bunching onions in containers, lettuce, uh, Swiss chards, this perpetual spinach. I started the seeds in a container. Uh, don't stop planting. <laughs> this is this is just uh, besides spring. This is the most important season that is is that we have, and you, all the work we do now will make next year so much better, you know, and I haven't even got to bulb planting. <laughs> you know, I love bulb planting, and we'll talk about that in the upcoming weeks. One real quick thing, I've talked about it for the last few weeks, uh, Joe Ham's Daffodil Garden, he's got a bunch of rare daffodils for sale. All that information's at DougOster.com. I've got this brand-new series of free online gardening classes going on on Thursdays at 5. We're having so much fun. It's sponsored by Farm to Table. Uh, by local. And this week, it's all about planting trees, which is something we're going to talk about with Miles a little later on today from Davy Tree, and finding unique trees, and then also how to make them thrive. I have lots of ideas for trees uh, in this class. And it's free, but you need to get the registration link, so just go to DougOster.com, and it's right there. And again, I talked a little bit about this last week, but I'm getting lots of questions How do I make my tomatoes turn red? Uh, I want my tomatoes. And luckily, I've been picking for quite a while. Uh, You know, if you want to pick early, you've got got to start early, and you've got to pick varieties that put on tomatoes early. But, hey, that ship sailed. So just trim off the tops of your tomatoes. Again, I talked about it last week, but it will will make all the difference in the world. It will put that plant into panic mode. It won't be putting on more flowers, you know, wasting energy, putting on more flowers. And it's going to, when it goes into that panic mode, it's going to make those tomatoes ripen. That's what it wants to do. It wants to grow, flower, fruit, and then that's tomatoes supposed to be a seed delivery system, but we're getting to it early. And also at the website, if you've ever thought about saving your own seeds, uh, this is a fun thing, and I've been doing this forever, I've got a video that shows all about how to save seeds from tomatoes and flowers and other vegetables. As long as you pick the right type of plant, there's two basic families. It's either open pollinated or hybrid. That's all there is. And if it's not a hybrid, you can save the seeds. That's That information is on the plant tag. And it's very rewarding to, to perpetuate something that, that you love. Uh, in my case, it's this uh, so many different tomatoes. Uh, the thirty nine forty five, that's from World War II. The Limbaugh Legacy potato top tomato. Uh, my Heart of Italy tomato that I love. So check out the video. I'm also showing how to take cuttings from things like basil. 
I'm gonna. I've taken some cuttings, and I'm. I'm gonna try and grow them on the windowsill. Basil, you never know how it does on the windowsill, but so uh, give us a call, right, Rob? We want to talk what, this next after this next break. Let's talk gardening. All right, eight six six three nine one ten twenty. All of our lines are available. Doug would like to talk a little gardening with you on this rainy Sunday for a Labor Day weekend. We'll do that in just a couple of moments on KDKA Radio. All right, time for you to get your calls in for Doug and also Miles Stevens, Fall Planting, Talking Trees, Davy Trees, just about 15 minutes away. The number here is 866-391-1020. And we begin with Cheryl. You're on KDKA. Hi, Cheryl. Good morning. Um, I wanted to start to try and plant, um, you know, some vegetables in that now and understand about cold frame planting, and how do I do that? Well, you've come to the right place because that is something I love almost more than anything in the garden this time of the year. And so a cold frame, there's lots of different ways to do a cold frame. A cold frame is just an unheated greenhouse out in the garden, and so it can be made of all sorts of different materials. Uh, I built a couple of them with the help of a, a, a friend that knows which side of a hammer to hold, and... It's just made out of uh, rough cut cedar, but you any kind of thing that you just have walls and some kind of translucent or transparent cover is a cold frame. But there's other season extenders that you could also use. If, like if you didn't want to go to the trouble of building this, you know, wooden thing, that's one of my most successful ways to pick through the winter. And, and I'm talking about all winter. I mean, it certainly always depends on the winter and how much I'll be picking, but. By choosing crops that love cold weather, and they're going to have them at the nursery, or there's even time to start them from seed right now, you know, your bunching onions, radishes, Swiss chards, lettuce, tatsoi, mustard greens, kale, cabbage, all this stuff, it loves cold weather. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that a frost is coming, you know. They actually get better after a frost. And so the other season extenders that we can think about or even just a uh, a drop cloth from a hardware store, the thick one, three mil thick, and just have some kind of support over it. You could make hoops out of PVC. Uh, you could make, a, you know, I made a little teepee just out of some cheap pine where I just wrap that plastic around uh, the teepee and then have a, a bed underneath it. I've got these old skylights uh, that uh, a guy gave me that I just, I put down over a bed as a form of protection, making a little greenhouse out there. There's a thing called a floating row cover, which you can find at a nursery. It's cheap, uh, reusable. It's just this translucent, spun-bound fabric, the lightweight fabric that, that acts as a greenhouse out there. So there's lots of different ways to just give them a little bit of protection. And we want to get them started now and get them established now so that they've got a good root system when things get cold. Okay, so I don't cover... I mean, once I see the plants coming, I don't have to put hay or anything around them. Like, now my zucchini are done. I have a really big place. I can, you know, start all all these, even from seeds, you're saying. Yeah, I mix it up with seeds and plants. Okay. uh, Because, you know, they're very inexpensive. You you go and you get, you know, a a really nice six-pack of, like, arugula, six big plants, and there's usually more like eight or ten in there. Mm-hmm. You know, in this kind of weather, which is perfect planting weather, you you split them up. You you add a little compost to where that zucchini was, mm-hmm. and not the plants aren't going to need any protection for a month until okay. things start to get really cold. And what you decide to protect them with is is up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to keep everything kind of low to the ground and with have some kind of 
hoops o- over the, the plants. Even though something like the floating row cover is lightweight, I'm thinking about winter snows, like, you know, a foot, mm-hmm. a foot deep of snow. I want, I want that to be my insulator on top. At the hardware store, at your local hardware store, they've got this, like, 11, it's called 11-gauge wire. It's just mm-hmm. like a, a wire that's stiff enough where you can bend it and everything, but it'll also make, like, a hoop. And sometimes I cut those in half. But there's lots of lots of ways to do this, and I'll be talking a lot about this over the next month. But okay. I, I just think it's exciting that you want to do it because, mm. in some ways, I feel that I'm alone in this. That people that people are, you know, they they've they've gardened all season long, and they're like, okay, you know, we're done. But this to me, this is like a, a the, the third season. This is a really important season. Like I told you, besides the vegetables. I'll be planting all sorts of other stuff, trees and shrubs and perennials. And you, you heard the ads from Sorgles and Janoski's already. I'm sure there'll be more ads, too, where all this stuff's on sale at, at the nursery. I think I bought this entire flat uh, for about 20 bucks, and it has so many plants in it. And the reason I haven't planted mine is I want to make a video with it, but I'm shooting my own videos. So <laughs> I have to get inspired to put it up on that tripod and everything. So uh, keep... St- Tuned in because we're going to talk a lot about this over the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to have a lot of stuff on uh, my website, dogoster.com. Any right. other any other questions about cool weather vegetables before we let you go? No, I just wanted to know where I could buy them. So, and I do go to Janowski's. I love, you know, it's close to where I live, and um, I just want to try it. And I want to have my own, you know, fresh organic vegetables. So, thank you so much. All right, keep us posted on how you're doing. That's exciting. I will. Uh-huh, bye-bye. All right, let's uh, say hi to John out there in McMurray. He's on KDK with Doug Oster, the organic gardener. Hey, John, good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, Doug, got a question on uh, heirloom tomatoes. Okay. Um, they, I love them, but they seem to get disease easy and got a lot of spots on them that looks like a fungus. Any idea what that could be? Could possibly be something called anthracnose, which has been kind of running around here in, in the end of the season where things are... are are wet. A lot of times you can get away with picking the tomato early and and it's it's okay to use it and to eat it, but you know, once that gets going good on the tomato, it kind of makes it pretty disgusting. Yep. Uh, Is so, there anything that you spray with to uh, to kind of kill that? Well, it's too late at this point. But okay. there's a lot of things we can do and let's just run through them for next season. Uh, we talk a lot about this when we're in planting season. And uh, and I know what you're saying about heirloom tomatoes, but not all heirloom tomatoes are more prone to diseases. It's about the m- mixing up your planting date. You know, planting some early and some later in the season. I, I always talk about this. I'm planting tomatoes as late as July 4th. That's my cutoff. Those are my last tomatoes that I'm planting. Now, those are tomatoes that put on tomatoes really quick. So... You can't put, you know, a big beef steak in on July 4th. But when I'm planting, you know, don't be afraid to to use heirlooms. You can mix your heirlooms up with some hybrids that are disease resistant. They've got a new whole string of like heirlooms where they've crossed them together with some others to to make them more disease resistant. But just, you know, plant some on May 20th, some on, you know, May 30th and then into June and then mulch like crazy, and then you yeah, have an organic fungicide in case we have a wet season. And the, the way we use a fungicide for something like tomatoes is 
if you ha- if your tomatoes are always having these fungal issues, st- start early in the season before you see signs of damage. Because what's happening is when they're sitting there on May 20th and it's 48 degrees at night and cold rain, those spores are splashing up. They're infecting the plant, and that's how it all starts. And so okay. that's stuff we'll talk about next year. But for this year, you know, take all those plants out of there when they're done and you know, since they've had a fungal issue, we wouldn't want to compost them. We would just put them in a separate area or burn or bag them. Oh, so so at the end of that, and I'm doing a lot of this in um, what I call it, um, earth boxes. Oh, okay, I good. Should, I should throw that soil out, in other words, and not reuse it because it's probably in the soil. It's always going to be in the soil. Those fungal spores are always going to be there. Just top it off with some good compost for oh, next year, oh, I got, got and you'll be good to go. Be thrown out. Very All right. Good. Thanks very much for your call. All right, Mal Stevens, besides the pop-off fruit that we'll be enjoying, and I have already, <laughs> we're going to be talking fall planting and trees, so give us some insight. Got about 30 seconds for the break. Uh, I'm just reading Miles' text. I didn't hear a word that you just said. <laughs> okay. Topic today. Topic today. All about planting trees. Right tree for the right place. And let me tell you, that is so important. Yeah, Miles, is, is he's in. He's he's on his way up. So we got a pawpaw for him to, to, to try. Thanks for taking over the show, Rob. Not a problem. Anytime. <laughs> Somebody has to know what they're doing around here. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a short break as I continue to uh, man the Starship Enterprise here today. <laughs> Full speed ahead. Warp speed, Mr. Sulu. Uh, we've got the news coming up, bottom of the hour of Andrew Lindbergh. And I need you to come over here. And answer a wonderful fan calling from a very far away place uh, on uh, Facebook or sent me a Snapchat who has a question that I don't actually understand, but it's for you. So come over here and answer this it. question. Take, stay tuned. We'll be right back. We are joined by Miles Stevens from the Davy Tree Expert Company. Miles, good morning. How are you? What's that in front of you there? That's a pawpaw. <laughs> it looks to be very ripe. It should be very tasty. Thank you, Doug. Could you could you smell it when you open the door to the studio? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> definitely could smell it. Smells good. So today we're talking right tree, right place. Well, I don't think there's anything more important than knowing how big that tree is going to get and then also knowing what it's going to need, whether it's sun or shade, understory tree, whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely correct. It's so many times you go out to a property and it's, uh, you know, I said go out there and there's a 60 foot tall spruce tree hitting off the gutter of the house and probably wasn't the right uh, tree to plant in that place. Uh, the other, and, and really is key to know how big a tree is going to get. And, you know, sometimes people will say, well, is it supposed to be a dwarf tree? Well, <laughs> still doesn't mean you can plant it, you know, three feet from the foundation. And the reality of it is dwarf is all relative. You know, a dwarf it could be 25 foot. Well, you don't want that right next to your house either. So really key to try to, you know, uh, you know uh, do some research or have somebody come out and assist you in selecting, you know, the, the, the tree for your property. And first of all, starting with size and what you really want that tree to do for you. Yeah, so when you do meet with a client, talk a little bit about the process in in going through with them. I know a lot of times they have something in their mind, and you look at them like, oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> well, many times, you know, first of all, I start you know, a conversation is, um, you know, are they looking for a flowering tree? Or are you looking for a medium-sized shade tree, large shade tree? Uh, maybe if you're looking for evergreen or you're looking for some sort of privacy or whatever, and you start there and um, and work your way from that, you know, and then at that point, you know, not only, you know, what you're looking to do, but also look at any possible um, obstacles, you know, power lines coming into the home, uh, identifying where gas lines are and all those type of things are 
are critical too because obviously you don't want to start excavating and hit a gas line. That could be well, major that, issues. That is a great point right there. Before you start digging to plant a tree, know where everything is. And isn't it amazing that you would think that power lines would be obvious, but people don't look up when they're planting. <laughs> yeah, when you're, you're planting, you have, to think, you have to look 3D. You know, you just don't look at the ground and say, oh, it would be nice right here. Start looking up. Yeah, and seeing if there's, you know, power lines. If the tree's going to be a 60-foot-tall tree, you don't want to plant on your service wire. Um, you know, just uh, all you have to do is take a look out in the street where the uh, the main power wires are, and trees are planted underneath there. got 60-foot-tall. What's happened? They have to be trimmed away from the wires. Nobody wants their power to go out. So really critical to look 3D. And, and also not up, but out also. You know, what other plants do you have there? You know, what what effect is it going to have on the other plants? You know, if they're shade-loving, that may not be a big issue. However, if you have, you know, Junipers that love full sun and you want to plant a tree that's going to get 60 foot tall, those junipers are really going to struggle and, and probably slowly fade out on you as they get shaded. So we talk a lot about native trees, and the pawpaw that I brought in today is a native tree, and we'll certainly talk more pawpaws when we come back. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's that's something that's being used a lot more uh, these days is, is looking at native trees Talk about why a native tree is something that is getting planted more often nowadays. They're more, <clears throat> excuse me, they're more uh, su- well suited for the climate, soil conditions, and all those type of things. Uh, also, they're they're going to be uh, most of them more resistant to insect uh, activity because they've lived in this area for how long? You know, how long they've been you know, thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So they don't have you know major issues with insect pests that maybe there. Disease also is a factor too. Less likely to have problems with disease. They're just suited for the area in which they uh, had natively grown, and have, you know do a lot better for you that way. So it just instead of bringing some exotic, and suddenly it can't tolerate some various things. So I know that in your landscape, uh, we've talked about it before, and I've seen the picture of it. You have a beautiful sourwood tree. I've got my native pawpaw. What are some other things, you know, of course, as, as the whole theme of this segment is, is right tree, right place, always thinking of that. But what are some other natives that, that are going into the ground when you can find the right place for them? Yeah, serviceberry, I think of those being a native, smaller tree. Like I said, sourwood, uh, hawthorn, those type of trees, smaller flowering trees. Uh, you still plant some native dogwoods. Just some issues are really making sure you're selecting the best planting site. You know, the mistake people made years ago, they put them right out in the full sun. Mm. They're not a full sun tree. They're a forest edge tree. So they'll, they'll do better if they have some protection overhead. Uh, larger uh, shade trees, I, I personally, I like scarlet oak. Uh, they're very very similar to uh, pin oak, but they get a very nice fall foliar color to them, which you do not get pin oak just sort of turn brown and go, you know, different types of sugar maple should do well around here. Uh, and they're native to the area, even red maple. I used to recommend ash trees, but that's sort of a, <laughs> can't do that anymore. But uh, trees like that, even like uh, black gum tupelo is another good example. <clears throat> Excuse me again. But those would be examples I could think of. Why is this the considered the start of, of like, planting season for trees why why are we planting in the fall i mean i know you plant almost all year round but you know the old thing fall is for planting why why is is fall the time for trees well weather days start getting shorter less uh uh hot days you know so that makes it better for them 
And uh, also in the fall, once you get cooler temperatures, you plant a tree, you start getting root growth, you get root elongation, gives the trees a chance to get uh, 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 situated at their site, acclimated to it, and all those things. Yeah, the day's getting shorter, ideal time to plant. Uh, you know, weather conditions are, are much better. It's sort of tough to put in a tree in the middle of summertime. It's 95 degrees out there. No matter how hardy it is, you're, you're putting them through a lot of stress. That's not, you're not going to put on any root growth. So that's a tough time for them. When you do plant this time of the year, and, you know, today for me is, is like this would be the perfect planting day. You know? yeah. Cloudy, rainy, uh, it's, it's definitely a garden day. What kind of water do I have to put on that tree as we get to the end of the season? Well, uh, you know, just uh, depending on weather conditions, a lot of times when we plant uh, shade trees, we use a uh, tree bag on them that uh, you can fill with water. So typically that's once or twice a week unless it gets really hot. Um, you just want to keep it moist. You don't want to allow it to dry out, but you don't want to overwater. And the other thing is with evergreens, really critical to get those watered all the way, I'd say, into Thanksgiving because a deciduous tree is going to drop all its foliage. So is it going to lose moisture through its foliage in the middle of wintertime? It's not. However, an evergreen, if you don't water it well, and it goes in December, you get those little warm-ups or whatever, and the soil and, and roots area of the tree is dry, you're going to have good potential winter desiccation. Really critical. You know, even it starts to get to the end of October, it's cooling off. Ah, it's fall. You don't have to do anything now. You really want to make sure you keep those well watered going into the wintertime. How big of a tree can, like, a regular homeowner safely plant? And when should they reach out to the pros as far as size goes? I would say homeowner, if you're just, you know, just one, with one or two people and not really having equipment to move stuff around, you could probably inch, maybe inch and a half caliper because uh, the root balls, you know, it's, it sort of gets larger geometrically. You know, a two-inch uh, root ball, tr- caliper tree root ball, this isn't twice as big as a one-inch. It could be three times larger. Yeah. And soil gets heavy quick. And you talk about a two, two-and-a-half-inch tree, that root ball can weigh like 350 pounds. Right, and, and you got to have a good-sized root ball for the, the, right. that tree. All right, Miles, hang in there. Hang in there for the break. We're going to talk uh, trees when we get back. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to Davy.com slash KDKA. And remember, you can always call the experts from Davy Tree. They will come out to look at your trees for free at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. So if you have a tree question, now would be a great time to give us a call. Miles will hang around for another segment, 866-391-1020, 866-391-1020. All right, Miles Stevens still with us. Uh, Davy Tree's Talking Trees every other Sunday throughout the season. And, yeah, we got a few more weeks left with those good folks. Always happy to have them here with us during the season. Now, Doug is here taking your calls along with Miles. We'd like to get some trees questions in. So 866-391-1020. And we'll say hi to uh, Cindy up first, calling from Sarver, Pennsylvania. You're on KDK with Miles and Doug. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, shall I say my question? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, we entered into the uh, promotion of No Mow May, and we didn't mow about, I guess it's maybe, maybe a third of an acre on our property, and uh, it's become kind of a meadow, but it also has become almost overrun with huge stands of stilt grass. Now, I don't want a whole meadow of stilt grass. How can I get rid of it? Ugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh man, I did a story on this uh, where I went out to the uh, 
you know, Beechwood Farms and Fox Chapel and, and trying to get some answers on dealing with invasives and that stilt grass, you need to get to it early in the spring. Anything that you see coming up, get it out of there and then plant something else in its place to try and take over that spot. But it's not going to be easy, is it, Miles? I mean, these no, invasives are tough. They're very aggressive. They do better than any native plants. And, uh, you know, there's no na- uh, natural, I want to say predator, but there's no natural defense against it. Nothing there to compete well with it. So as a result, it just takes over. Yeah, anytime you see it, especially it's just imperative to get it early in the spring. Uh, that's going to that's gonna go a long way to not having a big stand of stilt grass. And it's going to be a challenge. Uh, there's no sugarcoating it. It's going to be a, a full-time project for quite some time. and something you always have to keep after. I yeah. you know, just don't have any great... And wish apparently up. deer don't like it because there's a deer that kind of comes through and never gets touched. Now, Oh, they uh, like to lay in it. Yeah, that <laughs> makes a nice bed for them, I think. Now, you might be imagining that I have a tidy little uh, urban garden. No, this is kind of a back... You know, we've got backwoods, and it's all through the backwoods. There's no way I can pull it all yeah you know when you're dealing with invasives like this sometimes you just have to pick and choose your battles you know i've got invasives in my garden that they're really a pain but and i'll never get rid of them but i try to keep them under control in areas that it's important to me in other areas you just have to let them go that's all i know to do Okay. I, I wish I had better news for you, Cindy. Thanks so much for your call. All right, let's say hi to Tom. You're next up on KDK. Hi, Tom. Hey, how, how you doing? Uh, I have a big tree. It's probably 30 years old. And the nuts on it, uh, whenever I, they fall, they're real sticky the outside when I clean, you know, go clean them. And I'm not sure what it's called, but there's little little sacks on there. Did you have a question for him, Miles? Yeah, I'm just, I mean, is it like a spiny fruit, something like that? Is it round and spiny? Uh, it's sort of spiny, but uh, whenever, unlike a walnut. Best thing to do, Tom, would be send send a picture in. Send a picture to, just go to DougOster.com. You can click on the uh, contact button and send me a picture that could be just about anything, Miles. Right, I mean, yeah. You, you, this, you can't ID a tree that way. Right, tough. I mean, he's talking about being sticky, so that sort of has my, okay, what would that be? Without seeing it, it's sort of tough to uh, to know what it would be. Yeah, send Doug a picture. All right, Jeannie, you're the last call of the day. Let's say hi. You're on the air with Miles and Doug and Rob with KDK. How you doing, Jeannie? Fine. Uh, I, I have a question about identification also. I was in Ohio a couple of days ago, and I saw the most extraordinary tree it's a huge tree, and it has these huge spikes all the way around it, almost like a vine. Um, and I, I tried to do research, and I think it's a honey locust. Is Can you explain why these trees have these huge spikes on them? Yes. Uh, if it's a honey locust, which it sounds like it is, there's varieties that most that are planted in uh, landscapes uh, that do not have those spines, but there is a variety that also has the spines. And, that's that's uh, the one that was at my uh, house when I was growing up. It had plenty of spines, and they hurt. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. But you know, what's interesting about that is I was I was reading something once and said that was um, a defense mechanism going all the way back to the times when you had uh, 
woolly mammoths or uh, mastodons. And with those thorns, they would push other trees over. They wouldn't push them over. So that's one of the reasons those trees were able to survive. You remember that, Rob, when the mastodon <laughs> come through beaver and you'd have your honey locusts there? We those did a show on that. Good old days. Yes, yeah. <laughs> hey, let's talk pawpaws real quick. We only got about a minute left. What was it that uh, captivated you about pawpaws? Because I know you've got your trees got, what, 13 on them this year? Right, right. Last <laughs> year you had one pawpaw and the whole family had to share it. Right. No, it was just uh, you know, a tree I always sort of knew about and then... I said, how many years ago, uh, oldest son and I were out hunting, hiking out at Raccoon Park. We came upon this little grove. Up, we we're looking at them and said, hey, those are pawpaws. So then went back a few years, never got any fruit on them. And just think, yeah, it'd be sort of cool to, to you know, largest native fruit there is in North America to have some. So eventually planted a couple. And, you know, then you and I talking about them all the time. <laughs> so I planted 12 more this year. So we'll see what. Uh, 12. Wow. Um, yeah. I've got a little orchard going in the side yard. No more baseball games. Oh, sounds great. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to Davy.com slash KDKA. And remember, you can always call the experts from Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Hey, I'm giving away some pawpaws today, 2 o'clock, down at the uh, kickoff and rib fest at the stadium. All the information is at DougOster.com. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. All right, great job, guys. News coming up, and then let's get cooking the Coons Cooking Hour, KDK Radio. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is Electrified Diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.